when we begin a practice, the most important part is not the quantity of the practice, but it's the consistency of doing the practice. And I promise, I promise my morning practice, it, it didn't start out the way it looks like now. It literally started out, it was probably two or three minutes total, but it's evolved and it's grown as I've evolved and grown. And I know it can do the same for your listeners too. If you're standing on a threshold, if you feel a yearning to tap into your greatest potential, but you're caught in that fuzzy in-between space of the now and not yet, don't despair. You're being invited to pivot with greater purpose. You're on the thrilling edge of becoming. You are being called to unleash your soul song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I believe we're all born with a gift that's uniquely ours, our very own soul song. And I discovered on my own journey that when we unleash it into the world, man, does it make life sing. You might express it through writing, science, cooking, nursing, teaching, or some other endeavor. The song is different for each of us, and its expression can change throughout your life, but it can only sing when you're in tune with your truest self. I know you're trying to get things in focus, that you're looking for encouragement and practical tools to illuminate your own personal journey, and that's what you're gonna get here. I'm excited to travel this road with you. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Unleash Your Soul Song. I'm Becky Fleischer, and I am so happy to be back with you again as we settle into December and look to wrap up another year. I know it is so cliche. I mean, this is just so cliche to say, but time is flying, just flying. And I know as we get older, it just keeps happening faster and faster. I don't know why that is, but I sure wish it would stop and slow down a little bit. Cannot believe we are about to close 2021. Just absolutely crazy. So today's show is the last interview of the year, but it's not the last show. I've got one more coming your way before we close the books on 2021. Maybe you remember or maybe you don't because, hey, we're all busy and January feels like a long time ago. But maybe you remember that this year was the first year I chose a word to intentionally try to live into more. And that word was and. I talked about it in one of my first episodes of this year. And boy, has it ever been transformative to live into that word and. It has been challenging. (laughs) Like, so, so challenging, but so completely transformative. And I'm excited to share my insights about the power of and. In that episode, I've got a new tool that I'll be sharing with you so that you can add it to your toolkit to help you set up for the new year. So I'm super excited to bring that show to you. And speaking of setting up for the new year, I am equally as excited about this. Starting the week of December 13th, because you know what? Why wait for the new year? Why wait for the new year to set ourselves up for the new year? So starting the week of December 13th and then running all the way through the end of January, I'm offering free one-on-one soul sessions each week, 30 minutes, just you and me. The first opportunity will be on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and the second opportunity will be on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And even though these are completely free, and i promise you there are no strings attached totally free time they are not sales sessions i'm not trying to bait and switch you and get you to spend time with me just to sell you something that's not what these are really and truly this is my most sincere offering to you my amazing listeners 
These soul sessions are going to be the time when I hold my calendar for you for whatever you need. We can do some coaching. We can work on core values. We can look into your inner critic or your inner mentor. You can use the time to share a soul-touching story that you'd just like to have someone witness and sit in awe with you about. You can bring something that you're struggling with that you'd like to get some perspective on. Or we can talk about your favorite podcast episode or book that you just read that was especially insightful. Whatever will help lift your soul in this season, that's what these sessions are for. They're first come, first serve, so if they sound even slightly intriguing, I recommend snapping one up. I promise you, 30 minutes can really just be like the perfect little supercharger to help your day, to help your week, to help your month, to give you a little perspective. I know I have really benefited from 30-minute sessions with people, and so I wanted to offer that for you. So I will put a link in the show notes where you can sign up. So watch for that show on The Power of And, which will drop sometime before Christmas. Snap up your soul session and then get ready for 2022 because heading into the new year, I've got a whole series of power pack shows coming your way where I'm going to share with you techniques and tools that I've been picking up all year long through the various trainings I've been doing and that I've been applying them with clients and they have really been game changers. They're so good, so powerful, and I can't wait to share them with you. So get ready for 2022. I will be coming in hot. Now, speaking of powerful tools and techniques, today's show delivers a significant power punch. I had the best conversation with Ben Kiker, a performance coach with an active ingredient that helps people get into action and build resiliency to stay in action for meaningful, lasting change. Ben's energy, his abundant spirit, and his bias for action have sparked change in people around the world. After a successful career as a chief marketing officer and notable Silicon Valley technology companies, Ben hit the wall and found himself overwhelmed and struggling and in fear. Today, Ben lives with a passion for meaningful relationships, meaningful experiences, and meaningful work. He has gone to the edge of becoming, and he is firmly on the further journey. His personal journey of transformation led him to found the Ben Kiker Group, which provides business, executive, and recovery coaching. So with all of that said, it might strike you as odd that I invited a performance coach on the show to talk about striking the balance between the push of performing and achieving with the pull of contemplation and soul work. But let me tell you, I'm not sure I could have found a better guest to explore this topic with. Insightful, funny, genuine, warm, vulnerable. Those are just a few words I could use to describe this conversation. I'm so grateful to Ben for taking the time to be on the show. So let's jump right in. Ben Kiker, welcome to Unleash Your Soul Song. I am so fired up to talk to you today. Well, thank you, uh, Becky. And as we, as I shared in the uh, little prep that we did, uh, every time that I've appeared on a podcast, uh, there's been a meaningful connection, a, a meaningful something that has happened. So uh, no, no pressure on that for you <laughs> and today. Yes. 
Exactly. And as, as I shared back and my listeners know, I, I am an achiever. I like to achieve things. So now that I know that there's a bar, like it's, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to accept that challenge and I'm going to go past that bar and I'm going to raise it for the next person. Exactly. Exactly. So we're setting a good precedent here for this show, everybody. This is going to be good. And I'm so excited to have you on because thank you. As we've talked about, this is a show for soul seekers who are looking to embrace the edge of becoming. And we talk about three kind of main pieces of that puzzle, which is spirituality and self-knowledge, change and personal growth, and mapping out plans to take action. And man, oh man, as a performance coach with a bias towards action and someone who I know has navigated the road to the edge of becoming and is firmly on what our we, I know we both are, are big students of Richard Rohr, what he calls the further journey, where you're really aligning those actions in your life with the calling of your soul. I, I can see that in your work, that that's what you're doing. So you kind of embody all those pieces of the puzzle today. So I'm so excited to talk about all of that because what, what I really wanted to get into today, and we'll, we'll get into a little bit later once we, we kind of ease in, but is how we balance that push of performing and achieving with that pull of contemplation and soul work? How do we bring all those things together? So I cannot wait to get into that with you. But first, I know that you have navigated that road to the edge of becoming. And I wanted to start there to see if you would give us a little background on Ben Kiker and how you've landed to where you are today as a performance coach, a writer and a speaker. Yeah, you bet. Uh, thanks, Betty. I also feel like we should just say at the outset, I feel like every time that I reference Richard, which I'll probably do, like there should be a tip jar and I should put money in there and then send to uh, the Center for Action and Contemplation afterwards. Well, thanks again for having me on. And um, I love all the things that you love. And so I'm excited as well. Um, you know, we'll jump in. And uh, if I can just tell a story about a moment for me, Almost seven years ago, actually, it was the end of 2014, and I had uh, uh, resigned from a, a company that I'd been working with uh, in a field that I had been in for almost 25 years, uh, technology marketing. I live in and based in Silicon Valley, Northern California, and that had been my world. So I had resigned from this company, and I had... Uh, been looking for other similar roles to to transition into, and nothing really grabbed my soul. Nothing really grabbed my spirit. And I was back in Texas with my family on the ranch again, right around Christmas, end of 2014, and just kind of wondering what am I going to do? I mean, I, I basically, I'm done with this job. I don't have anything lined up. What am I going to do come Jan one? And it just, I felt a calling to do coaching and what came to me in that moment. And this is a question that I love asking clients that I work with is what's the thing that you love to do that doesn't, when you do, it doesn't feel like work. And for me, that had always been the coaching element of being a leader, right? Helping people navigate and work through difficult, challenging conversations and just to help them take their game to the next level. 
And so I decided at that moment, that's what I'm going to do. And so on January the 1st of 2015, I was back home in the Bay Area and I literally started with a blank sheet of paper and said, okay, I am going to uh, begin coaching. And that started the journey seven years ago. I love that you said that you heard this calling to coaching. So for you, I'm curious, like what, what was the essence of that calling? Like how, how was it coming through to you or how were you receiving that? You know, it, it, first, it just felt very natural to me. Uh, it felt like something that had been there all along and it just, it, it, it's just a feeling is the best way that I can describe it. Just sort of a whole body embrace of this is what to go do next. And so all of the other interviews that I had and process around what I traditionally had done, I ended all of those and then said, let me jump into coaching and just start doing that. And that's what I did. Wow. And let me ask a question about fear. Were you having any fear at that moment? I mean, because you said <laughs> come Jan 1, you were like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I mean, I'm out of this job. I've really just kind of jumped off and said, I'm going after this. What, you know, I mean, your whole livelihood was on the hook there. Right. So what right. were you, what, what emotions were you battling or were you battling or how did you manage that? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, because I think of that continuum of fear and faith, fear on one side, faith on the other. And uh, my dot is constantly moving between those two endpoints, as I'm sure it is for you, as I'm sure it is for everyone who is, who is listening. You know, I didn't have fear immediately when I made the decision. Again, I think because there was just sort of a whole body sensation and feeling of this is the right thing to go do. I will tell you, though, that in the first couple of years of doing it, as I was really working to find my footing, build my business, all the things that uh, a solopreneur does to get started. uh, And I'm sure you can identify with part of that as well. There absolutely were moments when I thought, I don't know, maybe this isn't going to work out and maybe I should go back and do what I did before. And I think, you know, what, what helped me in those moments was what helped me in that moment was knowing that I could go back and do what I did before and just acknowledging the fear and then looking at what's the next set of actions that I need to be focused on now to just keep following what just feels right for me to go do. And that's what I tried to do in those moments of fear. And then also just to um, talk about those moments of fear. Uh, Many of them are created by what I call my insane thought generator. Uh, If I can just describe what that is for a moment, because I find that we all have one. I would love it. Um, Imagine a beautiful conference room table Uh, And I'm at the head of that table. There are all these wonderful resources that I have internal and external, my strengths and resources, people in my corner, all of these amazing things that are there to support me. And at the very end of the table 
um, out of sight, out of earshot is this thing that when I get for me incredibly tired, I get a little ungrounded. I'm not spiritually connected. It shoves itself up to the table and begins banging on the table in a loud voice. What is going on here? What are we doing? And it begins creating stories and, uh, they're, they're never helpful stories, Becky, that, that, no. that insane, it, it doesn't push up. Go, You know, I just want to chime in to all of this and say, you're doing a great job, Ben. Keep it up. You're doing a great job, right? It, it pushes up and goes, man, what's going on here? It's yeah. not great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that voice inside, it's so important to give it texture, just like you did. I think to really give it visual characteristics that you can see in your head when you start to hear that voice come in and say, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. This is never going to go anywhere, which of course I've had all those same thoughts, you know, especially as a, as an artist, as a musician, you know, you have these moments where you're like, "Ah, I'm not even that good. I'm too old for this. This is not, you know, practical or all the things that kind of come in. I find it so helpful to give that voice a character I do too. I yeah. do too. And, and also in a way, and this kind of gets back to where we started about fear and starting my business to also just let it get really big for a little bit. Right. I don't know if you remember, there's a classic Saturday night live skit with Chris Farley uh, where he's the motivational coach yes. and he comes in to help the kids and to try to motivate them. Yeah. And then it always ends yeah. with, and if you don't do what I'm telling you, you're going to end up living in a van down, down by, by the, the river. river. <laughs> and so I just sort of back, back to your part about, you know, giving it some character, like I just try to allow to have a little bit of fun, right? Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure I'm not going to end up living in a van down by the river. I want to say two other things on my insane thought generator. Uh, A lot of folks talk about imposter syndrome. To me, that's where that comes from. I actually think that in a way, imposter syndrome is the most unoriginal and boring of all stories that get created. I imagine my insane thought generator, when it wants to take its union mandated smoke break, and temporarily leave me that it presses, it's got this big console of what are the unhelpful things that we can jack with Ben with while we're gone. And it's just like on its way out the door, it presses this button in the middle that says imposter syndrome. I'm like, come on, press a different button. And so what my version of imposter syndrome is, it's not, hey, Ben, you're bad at what you do and people are going to find out mine is actually you're really good at what you do, but nobody, nobody believes that, right? Like you think you're good at what you do, but nobody else thinks you're good at what you do. So there's a little twist of it, but it's like, okay, we're going to press that imposter syndrome story button. We're going to take off for 15 minutes. We'll be back. Good luck. And that's how it works. Oh, that was such a good differentiation there about it's not me who thinks that what I do is bad. It's, it's my, it's my impression of what other people think about what I'm doing. Right. Oh right. man. Powerful stuff there. Here's one more. So, so, uh, and I, I love the, and I'm sure as an artist, right, you create and you have those incredible moments of self doubt. So I do a monthly newsletter, uh, which I've done since fairly early on in my 
uh, in my uh, starting my business. And literally for the first like three years. So they're always queued up. They typically go out at 6 a.m. on Thursdays. And so they're queued up the night before to automatically go out. And literally on Wednesday night, I would have this voice going, what you wrote is crap. Oh, no. Uh, nobody's going to like it. By the way, your automated service that sends these emails out, uh, it's going to email it 10 times to every person. And they're all going to, to unsubscribe to your, your database. And literally, that was the narrative for like the first probably three years of doing that work. And then what I have to counter that with is come back to what are the facts? Here are the facts. Number one, there's automation that prevents it from getting emailed 10 times to the same persons. That didn't happen. Number two, every single time that I have put something out into the universe, I have had at least one person that has said, thanks for what you wrote, it made a difference mm -hmm. for me. Or thanks for what you said, it made a difference. Or thanks for what you shared, it made a difference. At least one person. And if there's at least one person that benefits from that little labor of love that I created and tossed out into the universe, awesome, awesome. Very good, very true. I think a lot of people, you know, they think they have to have such an oversized impact with their work for it to be meaningful. And it's, to me, that's not it. Like it, one person, that's all it takes. And also it doesn't have to be your paid job. You know, right. your soul's work may have no financial reward attached to it whatsoever. It may be something that you do because you feel so compelled to put that into the world. And that may not be the way that you make your living. So I think there are a lot of things we put on top of our work that have nothing to do with the actual impact of putting good things into the world Agreed. and doing what our soul is calling us to do. And it's so hard to get over those pieces that get in the way. So let's talk a little bit about one of my favorite subjects, which is contemplation. And we, I know that when you started off your company, I know you, you have the power of three. And right. so you, you started off with the GSD. Get shit done. Exactly. I love it. I hope I can say that on your podcast. Yes, absolutely. We, we definitely curse on the show. <laughs> When I heard you first say that about get shit done, I was like, man, this guy, I resonate with him because I too am a make it happen, kind of get shit done kind of person. I found myself having to back off of that a little bit to try to find more flow and to let things kind of happen organically. And part of that was through really embracing contemplation and the practice of underdoing and underachieving. But there is this balance, right? We have to strike and, and we have to marry those two things. Like it has to be an and contemplation yes, and, and get shit done. So how have you married those two things together? Well, I, I love um, I love Richard's Center, the Center for Contemplation and Action. That's a great representation of yes and, right? Yes, it's about contemplation and it's about getting into action. Mm -hmm. Earlier this year, he wrote something, had an awesome quote about uh, underperforming and underachieving, which I shared and talked about, which is sort of interesting for a performance coach to talk about, you know, you just need to underperform and underachieve for a little bit, right? Yeah. But that gets to the, the contemplation part. So quick story, recently reconnected with an individual who uh, worked for me almost 20 years ago. 
And it was great to catch up with him. And he said, hey, there are two things from our time together that I still use today in my professional world that still really impact. One is the power of three, distilling things down into three points, all that. And then the second is GSD gets shit done. And what's interesting is what he didn't mention, because I didn't recognize it then, but I came to understand it now, is what actually comes before GSD is hitting pause and pulling up. Mm. So, so when I begin working with the client, one of the first things that we work on is really getting good at recognizing when we're ungrounded, when we're unregulated, when we're not in flow, when it feels like we're pulling or having to push and there's just too much energy going into literally trying to hold on that the first thing that we do is that we hit pause and pull up. And that allows us to begin to build situational awareness. Mm -hmm. And that begins the process of contemplation. And the, the kind of connection of that is you can see, but folks are only going to hear the audio, not see the video. I have model planes behind me on my credenza. Uh, I'm a plane nerd. I'm just fascinated by airplanes and, airlines. And it's just an interesting business to me. And when a plane approaches the ground, uh, there's a number of things that happen in the cockpit, including a voice that goes, pull up, right, to alert the pilots to pull the plane up. And obviously, the reason for that is to avoid the collision with the ground or the building of the surface or whatever. But the second thing that it does is by pulling up, pilots are able to build situational awareness and work the problem. We have to learn to do the same thing too. We have to get really good at and build the muscle of hitting pause and pulling up and just stopping for a moment, right? And just stopping for a moment so that we can also build that situational awareness. That's a great first step. It really, for me, I think for a lot of people, that's the first step and even being able to hear the calling from your soul is to hit pause and pull up, get real quiet, you know, and kind of get that situational awareness and let things start to surface up that then you'll know when you're taking action, you're taking action toward the right goal that you're, you're going in the right direction. Correct. You had mentioned in there something about like, we spend so much energy holding on. So you can see this energy just being expended on holding on and trying to keep things moving just exactly the same way and everything. So I know you talk a lot about letting go and mm -hmm. how we can let go. So do you want to fill us in on some of your tips on how you can let go? I like your let go or be dragged. <laughs> well, that's it. That's one of my six uh, practices for a high performance, right? And uh, we just, we, we hold on so tight, especially to our thinking and our point of view, we get locked into either or that, well, either it's going to be, or it's not right. And we sort of hold on to that. And we really um, spend so much energy holding on that we miss the opportunity for uh, maybe a, a, an easier, softer, uh, more helpful path by doing that. And so, and the reason why I say let go or be dragged is listen, you might be holding on. Maybe you want to hold on for a little bit and you want to get dragged for a little bit. Awesome. Just give yourself a time for that and then start to shift to let go. So I, uh, I actually, as a technique to help clients, I established 
a series of, of techniques that correspond to the L-E-T-G and O. And uh, I'm going to share just a couple of them that are my favorites that help me begin the process of letting go. And let me also just acknowledge letting go is a process. I wish that you could go to benkiker.com and buy your own bottle of let go spritzer uh, <laughs> because if I could market that and sell that and it worked, uh, I would be coming to you uh, from my soul nourishing place, which is the island of Kauai, because I would be living there full time, but I'm not. So uh, here are a couple of things for letting go that that help for me. Uh, first is the L in letting go. The L stands for listen to your body. Often when, and this has been a big learning for me over the last decade, oftentimes when we're holding on too tight, we're really very deeply in our head. So just drop down into your body, dropping, checking in with my body, what is going on, finding my breath, connecting with my breath, anything to get out of our head and to drop down and get into our body, because it's very difficult to be in both places at the same time, mm -hmm. to be deeply in our head and to be in our body. So the L of letting go. I'm just going to run through them all very quickly. The E stands for exchange something in the future for something that is in the present moment. Typically what we're holding on to is something that is in the future that has an uncertain outcome. So exchange what's in the future for something that is present. The T stands for think about how important is it really? And this rich tapestry of life that you're weaving, that, that I'm weaving, how important is this thing that I am holding on to that I have, as my sister Paige is fond of saying, that I am butthurt over, uh, which is a typical indication that that's ego, by the way, yep. not our authentic self, but that's ego. When we really have that feeling, that's our ego stepping up. The G stands for get some gratitude. Gratitude brings us back to what's real, what's in the present moment. And the O stands for open to other solutions. And this is where the power of three comes in. If you're so locked and loaded on one thing, can you just open to two other possibilities? Mm. And if what you're holding on to is so much about what might happen in the future, and typically when we do this, Let's all agree that we tend to, when we kind of forecast in the future, we tend to come up with the negative forecast. Thank you, 2 million year old part of our brain, yeah. right? So if you're going to spend 30 minutes thinking about the negative forecast, at least open yourself to, it could be a pot, there could be a positive forecast and spend at least, I don't know, five or 10 minutes on what the positive forecast could be. So those are five ways of beginning to let go. And it is a process. And finally, what I want to say to that is, or add to that is what we, we, we get better at what we practice at. Mm -hmm. So if you practice using some of these techniques to begin to let go and come back into the present moment, you will get better at it. Conversely, if you practice holding on too tight, I guarantee you're going to get better at holding on too tight. When you were talking about, especially being open to more options, how we can make ourselves so trapped, you know, by, by just saying it's either this or it's that, it reminded me 
of when my son was really, really little and he would go, he was the happiest, just the, the happiest, most exuberant little boy. But when he would get upset, he would go directly from being super happy and wonderful to being enraged. And I had to work with him on, we actually created something called a mood meter where we cut little pictures of people's faces with different emotions and we colored it from green to yellow to red, you know, like, and I had to show him like, there is a whole universe of emotions between I'm happy and I'm enraged, right? There's so much in between. And I just, I remember as a parent, just the the moment when he really got that, you know, when we created that mood meter together and he could see all the different emotions and what a release it was for him. It was such a relief because he no longer was trapped in, I'm either gotta be happy or I'm enraged. So, I mean, I think we do that to ourselves. So awesome parenting because you've prepared him for a tool that he'll probably experience later in his life, which is the, and I'm sure you've seen this, the color wheel of emotions, right? That sort of shows the wide range. So it's really helpful. and, And I first discovered it. Uh, at the beginning of my recovery journey. So I'm in long-term recovery from substance abuse. And I remember early on seeing that because often when we have experienced something traumatic, we tend to just respond with, I'm fine. And so really learning how to reconnect with what's really going on inside of us, fine is not an option on the color wheel, right? Mm. And so really being able to pinpoint exactly what it is that we're feeling. And that's part of, as I mentioned before, getting out of our head and dropping back down into uh, dropping back down into our body. Yeah, absolutely. And really stepping into that moment and saying, what is it exactly that I'm feeling? Where am I feeling it? What am I feeling? Where is that root coming from? All of that helps so much. And, And I think that that kind of gets us back to the contemplation part where we begin, right? Is just to understand what is real in this moment right now. And I pulled out a little, I'm such a huge quote guy, uh, which you have undoubtedly seen on my Instagram. I have, and I love it. And so I pulled out uh, a card from Thich Nhat Hanh. uh, And I love this. If we are not fully ourselves, truly in the present moment, we miss everything. Mm. If we are not fully ourselves, truly in the present moment, we miss everything. And so part of, I believe, coming back into the present moment is just to acknowledge uh, what's really going on right now. What am I really experiencing right now? Yeah. Yeah. And good job modeling that for your son. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. It was a uh... It was, a, it was a phase, interesting phase, you know, the kids go through and you, you kind of try to pull on every resource you can think of to help them through. But um, it was definitely a moment when I saw him get it and he was like, wait, whoa, there are all these other options. So yeah, I think it's, those are great moments when you see people realize that, whoa, wait, there can be so many other options here that I'm not even seeing. And your process, I mean, all those steps really can help people get to that spot. So that is a very, very good tool. So I know that you do a lot of work one-on-one with people and you do yes. uh, quite a bit of work in that right now and helping people overcome overwhelm. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that because there's so much overwhelm in the world right now. And as my listeners know, in my own life, I am unwinding a nearly 20-year marriage right now. 
Um, it's very loving and, and uh, as good as it could possibly be. So that's good, but still stressful. Uh, I have a daughter who's a senior in high school. So we're helping her navigate the whole college process. I just bought a new house that had some serious water issues in the basement. You know, it's kind of like the list just keeps going on. So there's just so much overwhelm in the world and in our lives. And I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I've got you here today. And I know that you're good at dealing with overwhelm. So I'm going to ask you, what's helping your clients shift out of these intense feelings of overwhelm? Sure. So the, the first, and thank you for all that you shared and being very open with, I got a lot going on, yeah. right? Um, so the, the first thing that I would, that I would tell you back is um, it will not all get done and it will get done. So just kind of set with that for a little bit, right? It, it will not all get done according to the precise GSD oriented Becky's world timeframe master plan that part of your brain has probably created, but it will get done. You will successfully unwind uh, your marriage. And it sounds like doing it in a, in a uh, loving kind way. Uh, your daughter will launch into this next phase of her life, which is incredibly exciting and awesome. And I'll put some positive energy out into the universe for her in doing that. And you're going to work out whatever this water thing is in your home. It, It will all get done. And so just, again, hitting pause, pulling up, and acknowledging that is incredibly, incredibly beneficial on overcoming overwhelm. The other thing that I also uh, will ask a client when we're working through this is, I have a question. Did your boss say to you, Becky, this quarter, of all of your MBOs, the most important one is I want you to be overwhelmed. (laughs) I want you to be overwhelmed better than anyone on this team. And do it like, that's the one thing you got to do for me. All the the other four or five, fine. But I just, I need you to be overwhelmed every day. Have you ever, and you've had, like me, you've had big jobs. Did you ever have someone say to you, I just need you to really be overwhelmed this this quarter? Uh, No, (laughs) definitely not. Right. And did a spouse or significant other ever say to you, hey, I really need you to be overwhelmed. Like of all the, the thing that I need from you in the relationship right now and our friendship is I just need you to be overwhelmed every time <laughs> we call. The answer is, of course, not. Never right. happened you, never happened for me. So therefore, um, we create the overwhelm by that really unhelpful story that our ITG tells us. We create it, we feed it, and we have an opportunity to shift. And that's where telling ourselves, you know what? It's not all going to get done. It is going to get done. And doing a lot of the things that we've already talked about can kind of bring it back into day, but just acknowledging for yourself, you know what? This whole thing about overwhelm is just a narrative, yeah. right? It's just a narrative. And I just need to acknowledge that it's a narrative and a story. And I need to get back to what it is in front of me that I need to get done today. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's very helpful. And then a lot of times that's all that we can do, right? It's just that piece for today, whatever that is. I like that. It's, it's not all going to get done, but it's all going to get done. But it'll get done. It'll it get done. Minute, I mean, but you're right. Those three, those three things that you just shared, those three big things that yeah. are happening in your life right now, they will all get done. Yeah. 
They will all get done. They will all Correct. get done. They Correct. will all get done. Yeah. And that's uh. and just that's a big part of what I do is I coach, I help coach someone's inner coach. I mean, we, we talk a lot about our inner critic, but we forget because that voice is so friggin' loud. So loud. We forget that each of us has an inner coach. And so really a big part of my work is to help someone coach their inner coach and to activate the sort of natural resilience that we have inside of us to um, get it done. And to, especially at these defining moments that we're all facing right now. Yeah. And bring another Richard Rohr element into it. You know, we're all in a liminal space right now. We're all going from the way the world was pre-pandemic to a future state that we don't really know what that future state's going to look like. I think we can all agree we are not going back, right? We are not going back. We're going forward to some future state. We're in the middle. And just for everyone listening, the middles are always messy. Yeah. So just acknowledge the middles are never pretty. The middles are always messy. We're in the messy middle right now. And I also suspect that anyone listening to this podcast is a high performer and high performers know how to resource up. So you just need to resource up to help you in the messiness of this middle liminal space that we all find ourselves in right now. I'm a big fan of talking about liminal spaces because I think, again, putting words to it and being able to identify that that's where you are, to me, that helps shift things because it puts it in context. It makes it like, ah, okay, that's where I am. That's what's happening here. You know, this is going to be uncomfortable. And not only are you there, but the 7 billion people on this planet are there yeah, with you. We're all there. We're, we're all there. We're all in this liminal space right yeah, now. Yeah. And this kind of nicely ties back to, you know, what, what, what we're trying to piece together here, which is how do we continue to get shit done and push on that lever? Yeah. And how does that marry up with contemplation and those types of practices? And I think, you know, even as we're talking, I can just see even more the, the and of it, right? Because when you are in a liminal space, it's so helpful to have those sits, the, the meditation, the quiet, the reflective thoughts, the journaling, all the things that go into a contemplative practice really can help you reduce your anxiety, can help you manage through, empty out these ridiculous, insane thought generator can get emptied out and really touch in and tune in to that inner mentor, that inner coach that you talk about helping people, you know, build up in their, in their heads. And for me, the, the single most important thing for me to do each day is my morning practice. Mm -hmm. The way I start the day is the way that I do the day. And I will often ask people, what's the first thing that you do when you get up in the morning? And typically it's either I go to the bathroom or I grab my instant electronic distraction device, also known <laughs> as my phone, or I grab my phone and start looking at it on the way to the bathroom. And I, for anyone listening that does that, please take a few moments in the morning for you. Yeah. And before you allow again, the 7 billion people into your space, which is what you do when we jump into the phone, just take an opportunity to really come into the day. Mm -hmm. um, I talked about this before. I, I rarely wake up 
just in this positive, let's go GSD. It's just not the way that I wake up, Becky. So I'm going to get really kind of vulnerable here with you and, and with your listeners for a moment. When I wake up in the morning, the thoughts that are running through my head, 98% of them have absolutely nothing to do with what's on the agenda of what I really need to do today. Just think about that for a moment. And I would really encourage folks, try that experiment for yourself tomorrow. So the day after you listen to this podcast, when you wake up, just try to observe your thinking when you first get up in the morning and see how much of it really connects to what you truly need to get done today. And so taking time in the morning for a morning practice, an opportunity to really get grounded and to get connected is so critical to helping to turn down the volume of what doesn't need to come into today mm -hmm. and really help focus us for the day uh, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And what, if you don't mind sharing, what are, what do you do for your morning practice? Do you have specific things you do every morning? Do you have a ritual? Do you mix it up? Well, yes, I do. So I will, uh, I'm, I'm going to outline it as a 15 minute morning practice because this is kind of easy for folks to remember. And, and it's split into five minute sections. So there's five minutes of reading that I do in the morning, including some daily meditation guides that are targeted for people in recovery. Uh, I also may mix in Richard's daily meditation emails into that. So something that's just, again, very focused in the spirituality uh, kind of realm. So five minutes of that. I do five minutes of writing in the morning as yeah. well, uh, and, and answering some very specific journal prompts about my intention for the day and what I'm grateful for, some of the things that we talked about earlier. And then I do five minutes of the sort of combo of prayer and meditation. So that's the basic construct. Now, the reality is my morning practice is actually more like an hour. Uh, if I could, I would love to spend three hours yeah. in my morning practice because when I start to drop into flow in my morning practice and I feel connected, um, is when I start to receive messages, insights, and ideas yes. related to the work that I'm doing. Yes. So everything that you and I have talked about today actually came to me through my morning practice work. And so what I do is I have a little notebook off to the side. And when an idea comes, an intuitive thought comes, I just jot it down. I don't, it doesn't derail me from what I'm doing in the moment, but I just jot that down. And oftentimes that's when ideas for clients will come to me. Part of when I work with a client one-on-one, -on -one, so I tell them part of what you're doing is you're renting space in my brain. And so in my morning practice is typically when those ideas will come forth. And so that's why I enjoy spending at least an hour with that time in the morning. And I do that before I look at my phone, before I look at email, before I connect with the outside world. And I do it in the ritual part is I do it in a very, I do it in the same place in our home. Mm -hmm. That's just, I've set it up in a way that's just very uh, meaningful for me. 
Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. I love to hear people's morning practices. I, I have one of my own and, you know, I wish I had more time, like just like you to really continue on with some of the things I do in the morning, the writing particularly, but when I get into that flow, things do drop in. And just the other night, that's it. Yeah. They, they just drop in. I was writing, I was writing on a Saturday night. I, ha- I had extra, I had free time, found time. And I had something particularly that I had been that just kept kind of nagging at me that I was like, you know, I really want to just get in my journal and write about that because I, I feel like there's something there that's trying to reveal itself to me that I need to, to kind of let shake out. And I started writing in my journal and sure enough, as soon as I started writing, things started coming. And all of a sudden I just felt this pull to just go grab my guitar and this whole song just came out. Love that. And it, I mean, it's the most magical thing when that happens, but it happens when you get in that aligned state of flow. Correct. Yeah. And so what I would, again, say to folks that are listening, and, and I always, um, I want to make sure that when people hear what you and I are talking about, these sort of extended times that we have in the morning, that the most, if you don't have a morning practice, the most important thing to do is to just be consistent and having one. So the reason why I block it into five minute uh, sections for clients that I work with is if you can't do 15 minutes at first, or it doesn't feel comfortable for you, do two, two and two, mm-hmm. right? Have take six minutes, take mm-hmm. five minutes. When we begin a practice, the most important part is not the quantity of the practice, but it's the consistency yeah. of doing the practice. And I promise, I promise my morning practice, it, it didn't start out the way it looks like now. It literally started out, it was probably two or three minutes total, but it's evolved and it's grown as I've evolved and grown. And I know it can do the same for your listeners too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, good, good stuff. And just as we're sitting here talking about that, you know, it's that practice actually helps you GSD in the end, you know, taking that downtime actually helps you GSD for the rest of the day. So, you know, I'm, I'm liking to see all these little pieces coming together for us and how they're all connected. Absolutely. I know we've, um, oh gosh, we've almost talked for a full hour yet, but I wanted to give you a chance to let our listeners know where they can find you and what you might have available for them right now. I know you just released a really great video for six practices of high performance. Thank you. That I, I really enjoyed watching it. I think it was super helpful. So do you want to tell our listeners where they can find that? I will. And here's the awesome thing. They get it for free. So all they have to do is go to benkiker.com, B-E-N-K-I-K-E-R.com forward slash six practices. And uh, they'll be able to unlock that free video that has the six practices for high performance that I use in the one-on-one coaching and group coaching that I do as well. Fantastic. And I know that you definitely do the the one-on-one and the group coaching, but you're yes. also doing more and more workshops and keynotes. So yeah. if, someone, if someone's listening right now and they're thinking, man, he is awesome. I would love to have him come work with my team or my group at work or whatever. Can you give us some color on what that looks like if you for you to go work in these workshops and keynotes and what group coaching programs you may have coming up? Yeah, you bet. And at my website, benkiker.com, Uh, There's a section on workshops, also a section on keynotes. There's also a work with me form that you can pop into, share your contact info that comes directly to me. And then I'll follow up, talk about it with you one-on-one in more detail. The big thing that I've been doing uh, lately, Becky has been around 
leadership retreats, strategic planning. Uh, teams are finally starting to come back together again in person, some for the first time in literally two years. Yeah. Uh, and so being with teams for two or three days, really helping them and pulling together their 2022 plan. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so deeply honored to do that work because again, many of these folks, it's their first time to come together and uh, to be a part of that and to bear witness to that and to help them uh, has been awesome. So that's a lot of what I'm doing right now. Uh, and again, y'all can learn more at uh, benkiker.com. Fantastic. And I know you're on Instagram at Ben Kiker. Is that right as well? Instagram at Ben Kiker as well. So that's another uh, great way to connect and to stay in touch. And can I close with the quote that uh, I read? It's actually the way that I fell in love with Richard Rohr, because I think it brings home all that we've talked about today. So a friend gave me uh, a copy of Falling Upward which I know that you have an episode on that you jammed on with your oh, yeah. besties, which mm -hmm. I love listening to that episode, by the way. So plug for that. Thank you. And, and at the beginning of the book, and this is the line that when I read it, talk about grabbing my soul, Richard writes, our soul's discovery is utterly crucial, momentous, and of pressing importance to each of us and to the world. And when I read that, that, hooked me. And I traveled to uh, Albuquerque to sort of not stalk, but I went to one of the Conspire conferences in person. And I stood in line to have Richard autograph my book. Oh. And I love this. So I find, so I get up there and I meet him, right? I'm all nervous. And he starts to sign the beginning of the book. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need you to sign on the page next to your quote. And I'm <laughs> sure he's like, oh my God, who is this guy? But um Thanks for the work that you do on helping people with their soul's discovery and for bringing me on to take part in this conversation. And um, just grateful for you. Appreciate you that you do. Thank you. Ben, thank you so much. This was a wonderful conversation as I knew it would be. And your work is inspiring. I love how you're weaving all these pieces together and all that you're doing to help everyone that you're touching also do the same very important work. When you said that quote from the beginning of the book, I got tears because it's, it's, I feel that so deeply in my own soul that we're all here to do something. We all have gifts to give. And, you know, I think you and I share a mission on wanting to help people really help release those gifts into the world. Absolutely. Really appreciate this hour. Thank you so much for being on. You bet. Okay, so how many amazing nuggets did you get from that conversation? I would love to hear what resonated and what felt hard to metabolize. There is certainly a lot to pick from, so head on over to Instagram at Unleash Your Soul Song and shoot me a message, just a quick little one, one or two liners. What did you love or what did you have a hard time getting your arms around? And don't forget that starting the week of December 13th, I'm offering free one-on-one -on -one soul sessions each week. 30 minutes of just you and me. These are not sales sessions. No, no, no. They are soul sessions. They're my most sincere gift to you, my amazing listeners. It's time I'm holding on my calendar just for you, for whatever you need. And they're first come, first serve, so you better snap one up quick. The link is in the show notes where you can sign up. Well, as the song says, 
It's the most wonderful time of the year. But it is also one of the busiest. I know you have a lot going on, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with me today. I hope you all have a great week. You and me, you and me, he and she, he and she, next door neighbor, stranger down the street, form a chain, form a chain, grab the clouds, grab the clouds, cause we haven't even touched our highest ground, no we haven't even touched our highest ground, no we haven't even touched our highest ground. Unleash Your Soul Song is recorded and edited in 426 Studios, the music production company that I co-own. For more information about our music and our services, please visit www.four26studios.com. That's www.four26studios.com.